Amen. I'm ready to preach. Let's go. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 1. Thank you, choir, orchestra, musicians, and all of our uh, different areas. We want to welcome those who are at our Southwest campus this morning as well as those that are at LifePoint. One of the things we're going to be talking about through the book of Ephesians is how no matter what room we're in, we're all one body in Christ. And we're going to talk about the church. And I'm so excited about it because Jesus loves his church. He died for his church. He made a promise to us. He said, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. So Jesus loves his church. And the book of Ephesians is where we're going to turn for the next few weeks or months. It's going to be a a wonderful tour of uh, what God would have to say about the body of Christ. So take your Bibles and let's turn to Ephesians this morning. And we're going to begin in chapter 4 to set up this series. And then we'll go back next week to chapter 1 in particular and begin to walk through this. And it's going to be an exciting study. And I hope you will really enjoy it because it's going to talk about the church in, in different ways. And one of my favorite ways that, that Jesus describes the church, the Bible describes the church, is as the body of Christ. And maybe what kind of uh, made me think a little bit more about this is whenever you come around to January the 1st, you, you, when you go through the Christmas season, you start thinking about your own body. You're like, how much food can this body eat? And so you just pile it in, right? And you begin to think, all right, when January 1st comes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop piling the food in. I'm going to start getting the, the body in shape. And maybe you got to the end of December and you looked in the mirror and you're like, I don't like what I see when I look at my body. And I want you to have a good, healthy image of your own body. I'm not preaching against that, but here's what, here's what I, I'm more concerned about than my own body or your body. What I believe we ought to be concerned about is Christ's body. Because that's us. We are the body of Christ. And what's far more important than what I see when I look in the mirror is what God sees, what Jesus sees when he looks at his body. What does he see when he looks at his presence on planet earth? What does he see when he looks at his local body, the fellowship called Westside? What does he see? Well, the book of Ephesians, perhaps like no other book in the New Testament, gives us Christ's vision for his body. It's what he wants to see when he looks at his presence. We don't think of that enough. You know, I wasn't here last week. My body wasn't here last week, right? But now my body's in the room. My body is here. I am present. Do you know that you are the physical embodiment of Christ? You are his members, his instruments. You are his fingers and toes and lips and eyes. And he wants to look at his body and say, is everything working? Are we united? Are we together? Are we making impact? And the book of Ephesians is just an amazing uh, amazing description of his body. And some of you have already begun this year. You're building your body. You're, you've, you're going and you've got your personal trainer. Maybe you've got your gym membership. I don't know what all you got. Maybe you're just lifting a fork. That's a good plan. I like that. 
I don't know what you're doing. You're working that body. And, and Jesus made a promise in Matthew. He said, I am going to build my body. He's in the body building. He wants to build us up and make us into something. There is no better book in the New Testament about the body of Christ, the church, than the book of Ephesians. Samuel Coolidge called it the divinest composition of man. It was John Calvin's favorite book in the New Testament. J. Robinson later described it as the crown of St. Paul's writings. Raymond Brown claimed that only Romans could match Ephesians as a candidate for exercising the most influence on Christian thought and spirituality. And I would have to say that in my preaching ministry, as I do what I do, you have probably heard a lot of references from me so far in this first year out of the book of Ephesians. You can't get away from it. It impacts the way you think about everything concerning the church. So here's what I want to do this morning is to set the stage of why I'm calling this series Sit, Walk, Stand. And we want to look at Ephesians chapter 4. And in this chapter, I think Paul gives us a sense of what God uh, wants to teach us through the book of Ephesians. And if there's a workout plan or a fitness plan uh, for the body of Christ, uh, you, you will see you will see that in the book of Ephesians, and you will see Christ's desire for us to be about that in Ephesians chapter 4. So let's just read this together. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And I hope you'll bring your Bibles. I have put the scripture above, but I hope you got Bibles. We have Bibles under your chairs there that are the same uh, uh, translation that I'm using. Uh, if you like to do that, and, and you can follow along, but I encourage you to, to see it for yourself. It says in Ephesians 4, 11, and he gave, Christ gave to his church apostles, prophets, evangelists, and some pastors and some teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the bodybuilding, to the building up of the body of Christ. I didn't realize this week that I'm a personal trainer. I'm one of your personal trainers. God has given pastor teachers to churches and different folks and giftedness. I'm part of the bodybuilding plan. And so I come in here and I, I try to help pump you up through the scripture. I try to help encourage and strengthen you as best as I possibly can using the gifts and the calling that God's put on my life. And, and so he says, you, and he'll tell us later, all of us have been given to the body for the building up of the body. And so evidently Christ has a, a direction for the body to be built. He has a vision of what we are to look like. Well, here it is, verse 13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith. What it is that we trust and believe in. What it is that has changed our hearts and changed our life. Are we united in that? Do we all think the same thing about our faith in Christ Jesus? He says, so we all, it's going to build us up to a unity of the faith and also a unity of the knowledge of the Son of God. And here's where we're going. To what kind of man? Mature manhood. There is a direction towards maturity that Christ wants to continue to build his church. And here's the deal. If this church is going to be fully mature, 
Do you say mature or mature? If we're going to be fully mature, then this part of the body needs to be fully mature. This needs to be. You need to be fully mature. All of us need to be building one uh, one another up into a mature manhood. Now, I don't necessarily mean that you're old or middle-aged, but that you have a mature, deep, unified faith. And and look at that word knowledge, the knowledge of the Son of God. That is epinosis. It's an experiential knowledge that you are experiencing Christ and knowing Christ on a daily basis. And that is my passionate desire for us as a church and for my own life, is that we would all continue to be built up, maturing, experiencing Christ, not just talking about Jesus, but experiencing Jesus, knowing him in an intimate way, being unified in our faith to where we build up to a matureness as Christians and, and a matureness as churches. And look at, the, look at the picture, look at the model for us, the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. i got a ways to go. But Ephesians gives us that, a fitness plan, a path towards this kind of mature manhood. And you say, why is that important? Well, look at verse 14. As a result... If Westside is a mature church, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. Here's here's the motivation I think that the Lord has just placed on my heart over the last few months. I think every church really needs to dig in Every church in America needs to look in the mirror of God's word. Because the storms are not going to get easier. We're going to be, we're going to be, uh, we're going to need to be strong as individual Christians, whether we're young or whether we're old. We've got children in here today. You can have a strong faith, and we want you to have a strong faith. You're a teenager or a college student. We can have a strength so that we're not tossed around. We need old man strength. You know what old man strength is? <laughs> My boys say, I got old man strength. That's when they, they get young. I mean, they get big and taller than you, and they're leaner and stronger, can bench press more than you. And then they get into a wrestling match with you, and you take them. And they're like, what? What? It's old man strength. I don't know where it comes from. There's no reason. It's old man strength. It's, it's just strength you get from living a long time, from lifting a lot of things, standing up a whole lot. You know, you just develop a physical strength over time, and I think a lot of that strength is just you've learned how to use leverage. <laughs> You're wise. you got smart strength. So my kids will accuse me of having that old man strength. There's no reason you should have been. Well, it's old man strength. Our church needs to have old man strength, a maturity, a depth, a unity that can, that can stand. And you as a Christian, all of us need that. And you can have that maturity in Christ, and that's where, that's where we want to move as believers. Look at verse 15, and here's, here's how you do this. You, you, you have to speak the truth. 
It's founded, this kind of strength and stability is, is found in doctrine and truth and theology and all those things that a lot of folks say, like, I don't want to hear about that. But listen, that's the foundation of it. It's the truth of who Christ is and the truth of the gospel. And we need to surround that and speak it in what kind of context? We need to speak that truth in love. Ephesians mentions love perhaps more than any New Testament uh, epistle other than 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It is a book about love, and he says we are to speak the truth, we are to speak it in love, and then we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint which is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. We need truth. We need love, and we need every member working properly. And that will grow us towards maturity and a depth that I think every church needs, and I see it as God's vision for his church. Now, what stunts our growth? Well, there's a lot of things stunting church growth, stunting the body. And when I say growth, I'm not talking about having more people in the room. I'm talking about spiritual growth. Now, it's great to have more people in the room. I believe healthy churches grow. But I'm talking about this kind of spiritual growth in unity of the faith, in love for one another, in trust in the gospel. That that kind of uh, growth is stunted by fear. It is stunted by a lack of hope. It can be, it can be uh, wounded by cultural change and personal failure and family dysfunction and financial stress, all of these things that can attack, and, and it, it can stunt that growth if we're not careful. And so what I'm going to put before you over the next couple of months is I'm going to put before you uh, a plan towards stability, a plan towards strength as individual Christians and as, as a church. And this is the plan that I think Ephesians lays out before us very, very clearly. There are three images that I want us to have in our mind. These three images are given to us right out of the pages of Ephesians. And these are images uh, that are physical images. The first image, and I want to I bring out a chair just to make sure I have this. Uh, the first image we want to, uh, that is in the sermon title, is the image of sitting. Now, I already like this fitness plan, don't you? We sit. Some of y'all are really good at this. But this kind of sitting in the spiritual sense is, is just, it's magnificent. It's absolutely critical. If you move beyond sit to walk and stand, you will fail. You cannot walk. You cannot stand as a believer unless you are able to sit. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. And then we're going to see what it means to walk. To walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. And then we're going to talk about what it means to stand. To stand victoriously in the face of spiritual enemies. And the book of Ephesians is going to give that to us. But to help us understand it a little bit better this morning, I want to work through this backwards. I want to start with 
Christ's image at the end of the book of Ephesians. And he gives us this picture of individual believers and the church standing. And he he says, here's what it's going to look like. You're going to look like a Roman soldier. Now, most of y'all are familiar with this passage, but Ephesians chapter 6. Listen to what it says. Ephesians 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to what, church? Stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to what? Stand firm. So this is the first image we want to we see, and we'll get to this later on in the series. But he wants us to be able to stand. And the picture is of that Roman soldier, and he, he just kind of reached out sometimes like I do and just grabs an illustration. He says, oh, this Roman soldier that I'm chained to, he's a perfect illustration. This is what I want my church to look like. This is what Jesus wants his believers to look like. Because believers are facing, churches are facing spiritual enemies, and they're going to need a helmet of salvation. They're going to need a breastplate of righteousness. They're going to need a belt of truth. They're going to need shoes that are steady, and the gospel is what's going to keep them steady. And they're going to need a sword. So he, he goes through the armor and he says, this is what, this is the kind of church, this is mature manhood, is they're like a Roman soldier when it comes to spiritual warfare. How are you doing with that? How's the church in general doing with that? Why are so many so defeated? Why do we struggle? Why do we, why do we fall? A lot of times I don't feel much like a Roman soldier in front of the spiritual enemy. But he has this vision. This is where Christ, he says, I want my body I want my body to look like a Roman soldier, standing fiercely, victoriously in front of spiritual enemies. Well, second of all, let's back it up. We're going to get there. But to get to standing, there's a whole couple of chapters about walking. And let's read some of these scriptures. Ephesians 2, 10 says, listen, You were not just created in Christ Jesus to go to heaven. It says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. There are things that he has prepared for us long before we were here for us to do. We are to walk. We are to live this life. Uh, Ephesians loves this word, walk. In Ephesians 4, it says, we are to walk in a manner worthy of of the calling you have have been called with. Ephesians 4.17, you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. Ephesians 5.2, walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Ephesians 5.8, walk as children of light. Ephesians 5.15, look carefully then how you walk. Not as wise, unwise, but as wise. How many of you want to walk wisely in the power of the Holy Spirit? 
Man. I want to be able to stand and fight the spiritual temptations, the spiritual enemies, the schemes of the devil, and to be able to withstand. I want to do that. But Jesus says, I also need my church body and those individual believers. I need them to walk in this life, to live this life in love. I need them to walk wisely. I want my body, the body of Christ, to walk with a passion for the lost. I want them to walk with with open ears and open eyes to the hurting. I want my body to walk in a way that will testify to the world that there is a God, there is a Savior. I want them to walk differently. I want them to walk in such a way that people would say, that looks like Jesus. We're to walk like Jesus, talk like Jesus. So Jesus is looking at his church saying, all right, how you walking? You got a limp. Can I help you with that? And the book of Ephesians comes along and it says, here's how we can help. Here's how, here's how you stand. Here's how you walk. But the key to it all, listen, the key to it all is that you must first understand how to sit. I say, what in the world are you talking about? <laughs> well, let's turn to Ephesians chapter 1. I know I'm a little bit over, all over the place, but I want you to see where we get this. There's three visuals. Three visuals in the book of Ephesians. One is the soldier standing and fighting. He says, I need my church to be able to stand firm and not lose ground, to not fall to the enemy. I need my church to be living life Don't you like how I walk like a robot? Living life like Christ would live life. Live in love, walk in love, walk in unity, walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. I need them to do that. Too often we as pastors, and I just don't want to make this mistake, or we as teachers, we as parents, too often we go right to the behavior and I could have begun this series with here is how you have failed and here is how, here's what you need to do today to be right with God. And if you get into that mode of living, it will crush you. If I get into the mode of living where I, I just go, I skip Ephesians chapter 1 and 2 and I go right to chapter 3 through 6, and I only live in chapter 3 through 6 of Ephesians, I will be crushed. Because I get over to Ephesians chapter 5 and it tells me to love my wife like Christ loved the church. I can't do that. I can't do that completely right. Just ask her. I get over there and I'm, we're supposed to be filled with the Holy Spirit and I know that. We're supposed to be singing to each other in spiritual songs. and I know that. I'm supposed to be fighting those spiritual battles, and I, I lose that spiritual battle. And some of you are thinking, oh, great, he's going to talk about this, and I'm a loser. I lose that spiritual battle to temptation all the time. And I bring these sermons, and you're just like, I'm a failure. I'm a failure. I can't live up to this. Or worse... I preach these sermons and you're going, (laughs) I got that. I got that covered. 
I'm glad I'm not like some of those other folks that are failing. That means you've skipped Ephesians 1 and 2 if you think that way. Because we can't get to the behavior. We can't get to to living that kind of life until we understand and embrace and sit securely in the finished work of Jesus for you and me. This is unbelievable. It's a sentence that's like 13 verses long. My English teacher would have never let me do this. Paul just goes on and on and on and on and on. And listen to what he says. He says, blessed, verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with how many spiritual blessings? All of them. And I'm going to show you next week. I'm going to open up your vault, your spiritual vault. And I'm just going to come in so excited to show you how wealthy you are in Christ. You have been blessed if you are in Christ by grace, through faith. You have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places and there's no if in the next verse. There's no if. You have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places even as he chose us where? In him, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, verse 7, we have redemption through his blood. By the way, who's the him? That's Jesus. In Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. Verse 11, in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Verse 13, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and you believed in him, you were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. Don't skip chapter 1 and 2. Right here you see who you are in Christ, where you are in Christ. Flip over the page to Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2 verse 4. And God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and he raised us up This is not in the future tense. This is not in the present tense. This is something that happens when you trust Christ in the past. He has raised us up with him and he has seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. When we get a picture of who we are, where where are we? Are we walking, running, standing, fighting? What does he tell us in chapter one? We are seated with Christ With all of his inheritance and all of who he is and all of what he deserves, we have it because we are seated with him in the heavenly places. You say, I sure don't feel like I'm there right now. Well, our flesh is here. Our mind and our body and our soul, we're here. But positionally, 
in reality. When God looks at me, I am in the body of Christ. I'm in him. I'm in him. If you've trusted Christ, you're in him. And you receive in him all of these incredible truths. Virtually all of the New Testament epistles start this way for a reason. Paul always wants to make clear before I tell you how to live, I need to show you the resources you have. Before I ever talk to you about the requirements of the Christian life, I'm going to show you the riches of the Christian life. And I would be willing to, to say that most churchgoers, most Baptists have that flip. They have it flipped. They have it flipped this way. I fulfill all the requirements, then I get the riches. That's not what the gospel teaches. That's not good news. The good news, we get the resources and the riches in Christ by grace. Then we live that out. We walk and we stand. Because we can sit with him in heavenly places. We're going to flesh that out as we move ahead. How many of you have ever been to the Epcot Center? Who's been to Epcot? I love Epcot. I, I don't know about you, but I love Epcot. And always have since I was a little kid. I just, it takes me into all those different worlds. I just kind of like going to the different countries and all of that. And uh, some of you have been there. Well, I have a favorite ride at Epcot. Who, who thinks they know what my favorite ride at Epcot is? Soaring. Lance knew it. I love soaring. And evidently, a billion other people like it. Because they're always in line when I show up. You have to get fast passes and all this and wait for hours. I mean, there's lines and lines and lines. And if you've never been there, let me tell you about soaring. This is just an amazing, amazing ride. You go into this big dark room and there are layers of chairs that you sit in and and these layers and and you sit in the chair and it bumps you up a little bit and then there's like three or four layers and and, and then they st- you're in this like amphitheater with screen and, and all of a sudden the lights go out and you're flying. You're soaring. And you're surrounded and they fly you through uh, pine forests and the winds kind of, they get wind blowing through your hair. You're not even moving, but you feel like it, right? And you feel like you're soaring and it's the, the wind's blowing through your hair. and you, They even pump smell in there. And you smell the pine trees, and then you, f- you fly through the orange groves, and you smell the oranges, and then you're going over waves and through cities, and I mean, you're soaring, and you don't want the ride to end. Then it does. Get off. <laughs> Get out. Next one's in. You don't want it to end. 
But before, you cannot ride that ride. You cannot soar before you sit. When you go in there, I, I, you can try it. But you've got to sit before you can soar. You've got to sit. It lifts you up. It takes you on the journey. It provides you everything. You place your life into that machine and it takes you on that journey. The problem with that journey is it comes to an end. Then you got to get back in line. And then it ends again. The Christian life, I'm convinced, he wants his body to soar. He wants us to he wants us to have a life in the spirit that even though our life is not all orange groves and pine trees and some of you are going through some really bad stuff maybe you're going through a, an orange grove in life and you're just enjoying the, the roses but you know that could come to an end but he has equipped us with resources to soar. But you can't soar until you're willing daily to sit and know who you are and know what he's done for you and know that in the eyes of God, you have been declared righteous. In the eyes of God, you are eternally safe. And I'm going to flesh that out for you. But I just want you to picture, I, God wants us to soar. And if we're not soaring, if we're not experiencing some of that supernatural peace, if we're not experiencing some of that, that inner joy, even in the difficult times of life, if we're, not, if, we're not just, if we're just slogging through life, it is probably not because we can't flap our spiritual wings hard enough to make it or that we're not strong enough to fight the problem is we're not sitting we're not resting and trusting in what Christ has done for us I truly believe that is going to be the secret to soaring the secret to soaring is sitting and here's the even better news not everybody in here can ride soaring if you go to Epcot today, not everybody in this room can get on that machine. In fact, they got a whole list of things that scares you when you're waiting in line. Have you ever seen the list? All right, if any of you get dizzy, don't get on this. If any of you have any potential heart problems, I'm like, whoa, do I have potential? If any of you got, there's a whole list of issues. And eventually they have a little thing here that says if you're not, any taller than this, you're not going to soar. You're excluded. The gospel welcomes everyone. Everyone. You're blind, perfect. You've failed in relationships, get on. This is for you. 
you're not a very good, very good Christian, very good person, you've messed up, we got a, we got a front row seat for you right here. Everybody's welcome. That's the gospel. That's what it means to sit. And he welcomes you. He welcomes you. I've got some friends that are visiting here today from out of town. We've just had a wonderful couple. Of, and they're on their way down to Disney to see all the parks. I'm excited for them. So we were looking at different things to do. And I said, you've got to ride soaring. It's awesome. So we did it. Soaring's closed. <laughs> For six months. They're renovating. I guess they're going to make it even bigger and better. I don't know what they can do. So there is a time you can come back and go soaring, but there is a time, and let me just say this. If you are not trusting Christ, if you're, if you're not willing to sit, can I tell you there will be a day where the offer is not there. There will be a day when Christ returns. Right now, the line is open. Right now, the ride is open. There's not even a line. You just, you just come and you trust Christ, but there will be a day. There will be a day where his grace is no longer offered because he's returned. He's returned. And so I would encourage you today, believers, Let's learn together over the next few weeks how to sit, how to walk, how to stand. If you've never trusted Christ, if you're an unbeliever, I encourage you today, don't wait any longer. He welcomes everyone. Let's pray together. Thank you, God, for your generous offer of grace and your mercy to us. Thank you for giving us the privilege of relationship with you. I pray that if we're believers fighting outside of your strength and trying to live this Christian life with, without direction and with no, no sense of inner peace, I pray that this journey through sitting with you will, will make a difference in our life. And God, I know this could be confusing to some, but I pray that it's made some sense today. We thank you that in him, Father, we have every spiritual blessing. There's none hidden from us. In Christ, we have it all. In him, we have redemption through his blood. In him, we have adoption. In him, we're welcome to sit in his lap and soar. I pray that each one of us would just start our days sitting seeing and remembering and celebrating that the work has been done now we can walk and stand in the strength and the resources that you've given us help us do that Father draw those who have never trusted you right now to faith in you and we ask this in Jesus name Amen we're going to have an invitation and this is an opportunity for you to pray. It's an opportunity for you to respond maybe right there in your chair. I just would love for you to just take time. Maybe as you sing, you can pray. Just talk to the Lord. 
If you want to join our fellowship, this is one of the ways we do it is at the end of services. We just ask you to come, and we'd love to have you as a, a, a part of this local fellowship, this local body of Christ. We'd love to have you. We have counselors that will just take you out, and they'll, they'll talk with you about how to do that. That's one of the things we could do. Maybe you want to come for prayer. I'd love to pray for you. We have others that will be up here to pray for you. But if you've never trusted Christ, and you'd like to talk to someone about that, We would love to to help you in that area. You can sit. You can be seated with him. You can rest in him. Find peace in Christ. You come. Well, let's stand together as we sing. The invitation is open to all.